Hello, everyone. This episode is an edited and shorter version of our first Facebook Live interview we had with Wes Jackson. It was done in July the 21st of 2021. Before letting you listen to the interview, I wanted to give you a little bit more details so you can understand better. First of all, this Facebook Live was recorded in partnership with the Hive Saigon co-working space. They helped us put it together, promote it, and their team has been incredible. If Jeff and Tanya are listening to this, shout out to you guys and thank you for your support. Today's episode was the first Facebook Live interview of a new series called Navigating Life Challenges. The next live is scheduled for Saturday 14th of August at 2 p.m. Vietnam time. It's going to be with Lam Chan, the CEO of WisePass. It's a free event and it's the opportunity for you to participate and directly ask your questions to the guests. Go check the link in the description below and you will learn more about it. And secondly, our guest of today is Wes Jackson. So he stayed in Vietnam for a few years. Unfortunately, he had to go back to the US for healthy and business reasons. As here in Vietnam, we are facing a serious COVID-19 outbreak. It's actually changing everybody's plan. You may know Wes as the CEO of Omega Digital Marketing Agency. It's a well-known company here. I say well-known because part of his success, according to me, was for two reasons. First, he was one of the organizers of one of the biggest, if not the biggest, networking event for people working online called Ho Chi Minh City Digital Marketing Meetup. I've been to a few of his events and it was always packed and I really enjoyed the family vibe, even if we were a hundred plus people. <laughs> and the second thing was that Wes Jackson was appearing on stage at different events as a public speaker. During his interventions, he could add value by explaining in details about very specific digital marketing strategies or approaching broader topics such as sharing about his personal brand. So during this interview, Wes gave us more explanations about his recent changes in life, how he's transitioning to becoming a life coach. And of course, Tracy and I were really interested as we also coach people every day. This led us to an hour conversation on many problems someone can face, such as addiction, codependency, resistance, lack of self-love, anxiety, imbalance, and how to overcome them. So we discussed about healthy habits, productivity as an entrepreneur, and how to balance everything when you are in a relationship. It was very interesting to listen to his advice, and we hope you will find them useful. If you do like this episode, remember to reshare it with people you think may benefit from these open conversations we have with our guests and feel free to contact us as well. We are always happy when we can connect with our audience. Oh, and Dana was participating in the comments of the live. So actually the three of us host in Creators in Saigon were present during this episode. That's it for my long introduction, guys. Here comes the interview. You're listening to Creators in Saigon, a podcast based in the rapidly modernizing city of Saigon, Vietnam. I'm Dana, and together with my co-hosts, Tuesi and Nico, 
we interview the most inspiring creative entrepreneurs Saigon has to offer on topics about life, relationships, creativity, business, health, and more. We are all coaches specializing in different areas, but our common goal is to inspire you to reach your full potential in these areas and improve the quality of your life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, guys, and welcome to our first collaborative interview with The Hive Saigon. This is Creators in Saigon. I'm Nicolas Tan. I will be the host for today, and I'm joined with my co-host, Tracy Nguyen, and of course, our guest today, Wes Jackson. Hello, hello, everybody. Tell us a little more about what brought you to, to this entrepreneur journey, like what made you become an entrepreneur, if, if I may say so, and uh, tell us how this whole thing actually started. Okay, so I would say the single biggest motivator for me being an entrepreneur was definitely my dad. So he, at, at a, quite a young age, set out and quit his own job and then set out to build his own business. That was definitely, I would honestly, probably the only key motivator in my decision. I also have struggled with authority, I guess you could say, throughout my life as well due to my relationship with my dad, but ironically, but yeah, I, honestly, watching him build something from the ground up was very inspiring for me. And then also being able to reap the benefits of that firsthand was also very powerful and motivating to push me to try and do the same thing. It's funny. I, I, would call myself an entrepreneur and I do have the entrepreneurial spirit, but I find myself identifying more often with freelancing a lot these days. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because I, I also switched to online due to the lockdown. And we had this conversation with actually Tracy a few days ago where we were talking about, you know, like these, it's like before we would be factory workers or the boss or the manager, for example, in a factory or in a plant or in a service company. And now, even if we are in the service industry, there is a lot of things we do. It's kind of a repetitive work and the execution, like purely execution. When you do Facebook ads, uh, there is part of the strategy, of course, but there is a lot of, you know, putting on the parameters and inputting the data and, and collecting everything. So there's this kind of trend, like now it's like... Uh, we become, what, what is it? It's like factory workers, but it's not in a factory. It's actually online factory workers, or I don't know how we <laughs> did you find that. Factory worker. <laughs> An online factory worker. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. We're line workers on <laughs> online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you pumping out podcasts as a part of assembly line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know someone that does do that. He does like yeah. three or four a day. It just I, I think I think I know who you're talking about. He's in Vietnam too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's <laughs> I was just on. Great yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. I was great just guy, on his a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, w I was on too last week, and the same day that he he did mine, he did four of them. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his Incredible. style is very interesting. But yeah. Anyway, like back to your uh, your story. So. It seems that you arrived in Vietnam and like had many different transitions from I think business analyst, if I record the right. what you said actually in the comeback interview, and then like of course have a very 
nice online marketing agency. And, and it's, it's very interesting because now you are transitioning to becoming a coach. So how do you plan actually to, to transition and what's your strategy? What's your coaching style, if I may ask? Okay. So my strategy for transitioning to eventually becoming a full-time coach and public speaker is starting small, starting small, as small as possible and starting as niche as possible. So for example, I would, you know, would only be helping people who are as similar to me as possible because yes. those who have similar life experiences as I do, those are the people that I'm able to help the most and the fastest. And so I, I think that is my best bet, especially because the coaching that I specifically am going into is life coaching. And that can be very, very broad and also generic because yeah. when you hear the term life coach, it's very, very vague, but that's unfortunately how I kind of have to market myself because that's what people search for. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to brand yourself using whatever language your target customer uses. And so that's what I will be doing. And I plan to specifically help people who struggle with addiction and codependency, which is actually just another form of addiction, honestly. But yeah. And so I, the reason why I did all that though, was because it, despite how good I may be and how good people may think I am digital marketing, it's not my passion. <laughs> I love helping people. And honestly, I, over the many years I've been doing this with digital marketing, I've become a lot more disillusioned because of how far removed I was from actual human beings. And it felt yeah. less and less like I was actually helping people and more that I was just, you know, moving a dollar sign <laughs> up yeah. or down basically each month for my clients. So yeah, that was the motivator. And that's my plan for transitioning. I will be getting certified. That's not honestly my highest priority right now because I, there are other ways that are much more cost-effective, honestly, to create a coaching framework. Yeah. Hey, um, can I jump in to ask a question here? Because you've uh, yep. you said some some words that are very exciting for me. Because you, I want to be a life coach too. I'm actually coaching too. Oh, uh, cool. And I have a huge history in addiction. I don't know if you know about me, but I used to be I addicted don't. to crystal. I used to be addicted to crystal meth for 2017 till 2019. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing right now is like you know a program of helping people recovery and, and helping people in installing habits and all those things. So I'm really interested to know right now, what is this? How do you see your coaching and how do you want to help people with addiction and codependency? Because codependency is a, is, is a really beautiful word <laughs> that I needed to work on for many, many years. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really interested to know more. Yeah, uh, codependency is something that I personally struggle with. And it's, mm. it's an addiction of essentially like love and care, but it, the weirdest, this is why codependency is honestly one of the most strange, paradoxical and ironic mm -hmm. things that honestly I can think of because codependency is basically where you are so addicted to helping other people that you don't actually help yourself. And so you let a lot of your own needs kind of fall by the wayside because your attention is a hundred percent on other people. And this is something that I've struggled with throughout 
throughout a lot of my life, largely because of the the models that I was following because of my parents' dynamic. So I was just following what was normal to me until I realized that I was having all these problems that I was failing to give proper attention to because I was spending so much of my you know, limited amount of attention each day helping other people. And it's something that's really hard to struggle with because it is something that's also a very solid part of my identity. I, I love helping other people, but I think the single most powerful phrase probably at the end of the day to remember is that you can't help everybody. And then you also can't really help people until you help yourself. Exactly. And yeah. so it's like it, you'll eventually... it. Like, like what a lot of people say, like with addiction, especially, I, I don't, uh, I would love to hear more of your story after I'm done talking just in a bit about yours, but most, a lot of people have to hit absolute rock bottom until they get better. Similar to like with an infection or an illness, it will get worse until it gets better before it gets better usually. And so addiction is no different in a lot, most of the time if you don't have the proper support network. But yeah, I would, I would love to hear more about your own personal, sorry, Nicholas. Question, how, how codependency is related to addiction, actually? You can both answer, answer this question. I'll let him, I'll let him speak. <laughs> I, think, I think codependency is, is being addicted to, to other people's emotions. It's to, 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 find, to find love, you know, that, that fake love in, in, in others or to think that we're going to find happiness in creating happiness in others. But it is just, an for me, it was the incapacity, being incapable of loving myself and having an intense fear of dying alone. So my mom passed away when I was six years old and I had this huge fear of abandonment that nourished everything in my life where I was like, I need to prove to people through my actions that I'm worthy of love. But every time I would do this, I would do the extra mile, the extra mile that I couldn't do for myself. And then I would get addicted to relationships. I would get addicted to anything external to myself. And it was really hard to look back. For me, my, my addiction, my, the biggest addiction started when I was 31 years old, so three year, four years ago. And, and it was with heavy, heavy drugs. Before this, I feel like most of the addictions were socially acceptable. So nobody really shone a light to it. So you can go so many years with like, you know, food addiction, being an, almost an alcoholic and, you know, doing relationships after relationships. But it's after, for me, reading the rock bottom was like, you know, doing that drug and having to declare it to everybody around me that I had this problem. And the day I did this was really choosing whether I wanted to die socially, internally and everything, or I looked at uh, solutions for self-love. And so for me, self-love really came through self-forgiveness in terms of like, you know, I needed, I really needed to look into all the mistakes and all the bad choices that I've made and be like, it's okay. It's okay, Tracy. You're allowed to do those mistakes. Forgive yourself. And then it's been a huge, huge three years of really internal work. So I, I remember coming to your actually uh, speech, fell, was it fell fighters with the, Oh, you were there. I was there. They were both there. That's where we. we yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know that you were there. I knew that Nicholas was there. Yeah. Okay. I, I was. I was the quiet guy sitting at the corner next to him. But <laughs> I remember you telling about you know your your sudden change or realization about life, and I was like, 
you know, drinking your words, I was like, this is exactly what I went through. And, you know, there's those moments of awakening where all the knowledge that you intake are not enough or like it's, it's just there. You think, you know, and then there is the, oh, okay, this is how you put it all together. It's with this really shift in life that you cannot control that you just have to accept. So I think we're going to ask you more questions about this later on this interview, but I, the act of acceptance is a, is a big thing too, that I want to know how you dealt with. Yeah. I mean, if we, we can run with that unless yeah. you want to go somewhere else. No. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah. Self self love is definitely a huge one. I mean, it is something that I still struggle with, honestly, because like, you know, if you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't like what you see, even like, for example, I was overweight for so long in my whole life and now I'm not, but I still sometimes look at myself in the mirror and uh, don't like what I see, which is obviously doesn't make any sense, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of it is related to that. It's that lack of self-love and self, I guess, nurturing and self-parenting, self-mothering that, you know, everyone honestly kind of needs to learn how to do because once they, you know, so to say, you know, flown the coop and left the <laughs> nest, because, you know, it's, it's just honestly a part of growing up that a lot of people kind of miss and skip because like you actually said, Lucy, is the socially acceptable addictions. Yes, that's, that is a huge one. Now that I've, you know, and then become, you know, self-identifying and forgiving yourself as an addict mm -hmm. is huge. That's a huge step uh, because there's a massive fear of social rejection. Yes. When you tell somebody about that, when in reality mm -hmm. with the codependence mind, a lot of it's in your head because as a codependent, we typically are ridden with anxiety as well. <laughs> I would yes. say, because what you're anxious when you're not doing something or helping someone else, like, honestly, like just doing yoga and meditating for me is quite hard a lot of the time because I always want to be doing something and helping someone. Sorry, I'm a bit, I'm rambling a little bit, but <laughs> let's, let's yeah. move on to, to something else. Okay. Yeah. That, that was really interesting because I think when, when we, when we talk about becoming a, a life coach and like you said, it's, it's so broad and there's so many things somehow that, that comes into this, 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 this definition, like this sort of status, it's, it's, there is so much var, var possibilities as well. And uh, that was interesting to hear about, you know, like your approach. I like, I like the way you, you do it because I think it's, it's one of the, the good, not the good way, but like one of the, the easiest way to, to, to approach something new is to start small, like you said, and, and to have some sort of a basic definition or at least a precise definition of something very basic and then move on to build upon that your, and continue your journey toward that. So we can actually talk about this, this, this thing that is starting with for you for forever, probably because I'm an entrepreneur as well. I'm used to also get started, <laughs> like we say, and, and also making hard decision on, you know, like all the things that you start and sometimes it becomes too complicated. So you have to say, to learn how to say no and to give up on them and, and to see as well, like, yeah. We, we have this conversation all the time about, about addiction, codependency, and, and it's a lot about things that you know, things that you think you know, or things that you always somehow have and hide in, 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 
inside yourself and you don't realize you have this and then suddenly somehow it clicks and it connects and then you sometimes this this type of things can become a business or or can become a problem or yeah so thank you for sharing about this i um, wanted to bring up something that you actually just said if you don't mind me interrupting yeah, uh, what learning to say no <laughs> that is probably my biggest piece of advice for uh, codependent people totally because i mean as someone who's codependent the, my biggest struggle with saying no to people is the fear is the biggest feelings associated with that is guilt because i feel guilty that i can't or that i'm choosing not to help them even though i am able because in the moment that when you're codependent it's such it's so habitual that you just say yes it's like yes do you want, can can you do this even even when it's something that you can't do sometimes you'll you'll still say yes because you just want to help so badly <laughs> and learning to say no is probably the biggest most powerful lesson when it comes to overcoming codependency mm -hmm. and overcoming those intense like primal fears and feelings of, you know, guilt. And then, you know, what, what will they think of me if I say no, <laughs> what they're, they're, all these things just run in your head at like lightning speed, because it's such a habit if you've been doing it for so long and it really takes the first step is awareness. Definitely awareness, mm -hmm. awareness of something being wrong. Acceptance then is after that of accepting the fact that you have a problem. And then third would be, uh, as Tusi said, is uh, self-forgiveness. That's a huge one because a lot of people, as they say, you are your biggest critic. When you're, when you are someone that struggles with addiction, that is like double, doubled, <laughs> uh, especially with codependency too. But because you, you know, you make yourself feel bad about not helping other people, which so is so bizarre. I, I have a question right now for you because you're starting this to come back to starting the life coach career right here is now how do you navigate this very subtle, very sensitive line of knowing that you can help someone, trying to convince that person that you can help someone and while knowing when to put the right boundaries up when you're like, okay, well, I think I'm too much deep in that person's problem. So because I've, I've struggled with this where I'm like 100% with someone trying to help him when I'm trying first to teach myself to convince someone that I have the experience to help someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boundaries is huge. Like you just mentioned, I, I personally, if, if I think I, I, it's not even a think I would say it's a feeling first. If I, so when I start to become aware that I'm becoming too involved in someone else's problems, it is usually a feeling first. If I start feeling, especially as someone who's very empathic and yeah, getting into life coaching and is going to be dealing more and more with people who are struggling through all kinds of problems, the key is identifying where my feelings begin and where theirs end. And that's where the line needs to be drawn. And so it, it definitely would require a lot of, I would say mindfulness and self-awareness. So I would probably in that case recommend uh, mindfulness meditation would help a lot with kind of checking yourself and your thought processes before you get in too deep because 
the biggest thing is realizing that their problems are not your problems. Even if it's your job as a coach, it's still, it's not your problem. Uh, you're just helping them with their problem. And as someone who's codependent, it's very important to not see yourself as a failure if you are unable to help somebody, especially when it's someone that's struggling with addiction, because that's, you know, one of the most big and dangerous beasts that someone can grapple with. And people require a lot of help when it comes to that as well. But yeah, I would say boundaries, boundaries, and then being aware of them in the first place will require mindfulness. And so mindfulness meditation would be my recommendation for maintaining that your, your own identity, basically, and not allowing it to assimilate with your client's problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, that, that was part of a, another part of the interview, but we're going to just jump in because you mentioned about that. Do you, do you have any other healthy habits or healthy, um, sorry, healthy habit to actually help maintain or improve your like, you know, mental, physical, spiritual well-being? Yep. So I'll, I'll break it down first into three main sections, basically. It's, it all revolves around personal health. So first, and probably most importantly, it would be sleep. So if you, yeah. People don't give sleep enough credit because, yeah. I, I mean, I put sleep above everything else because... Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, human, the human body can survive without food. It can survive without a lot mm -hmm. of things, honestly. But yeah. water and sleep, we cannot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's, it, I, I, don't, I haven't looked too much into it, but there's studies even of sleep deprivation. And it's like, you will literally like lose your mind <laughs> yes. and go crazy just after a few days of mm -hmm. no sleep. And so that, that mm -hmm. is the biggest indicator for me that sleep is number one. And so specifically in regards to sleep is going, it's so simple, but I know countless people struggle with it because I have in the past as well, but honestly, it's as simple as going to sleep and waking up at the same time every single day. <laughs> and enough uh, hours. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Uh, and then after that, I would say getting enough hours. Yes. Seven and a half is what I would recommend as the sweet spot for pretty much everybody. Uh, there's your, uh, the circadian sleep cycles, it's 90 minutes. So basically seven and a half is the sweet spot. Everyone says eight hours. Personally, I don't know why, because I don't know why you would want to wake up in the middle of a sleep cycle, but because maybe, um, because maybe there is like, they, they count the because I need eight hours, but it's eight hours since like I'm lying down in my bed, the dark, it's the dark and I'm starting to fall asleep. So maybe there's like 15 minutes or 20 mm. minutes. Yeah, where yeah, that might be the case. But, yeah, uh, falling asleep is another thing too. It's obviously, you know, no devices, no yeah. screens, 30 minutes before I would say, yeah, no work. Yeah, don't don't ever bring your work to bed. That that's that will be the end of your healthy sleep, basically, <laughs> if you're working in bed. Yeah, the context switching is really important. You don't want to be doing anything in your bed, honestly, besides sleeping. And then yeah, you can, you know, maybe watch one episode of a TV show right before bed. But it, yeah, context is very important with the mind. But moving on from sleeping. 
there's also nutrition. So eating, <laughs> I'm going to sound like pretty much every other doctor that everyone has ever heard, but honestly, like a balanced diet, balance is really the key to everything, honestly, when it comes to health and within that balance is routines, right? And routines and habits are something that have to be enforced on a day-to-day basis and sleep and now nutrition are a very huge part of that. Eating a balanced diet is extremely important for maintaining your chemical balance within your body and your mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't give enough credit to that because uh, like we've talked about, so many people are addicted to something, honestly, and there's varying levels of socially acceptable addictions. But the biggest one that brings to my mind is alcohol and then also caffeine even. I know that every there's people love their coffee, but I it's important to take things in moderation. And a lot of people let allow themselves to go too deep a lot of the time because of what society perceives as healthy and normal. When in the reality, honestly, what, what I usually say to people is what is normal is not but most often the case these days, not natural, unfortunately. A balanced lifestyle is what is natural. And our just the way technology has been advancing and the way work and expectations of employees has been changing doesn't really fall in line with the balanced lifestyle. And so that's why it's on us, the individuals, to really pick up the slack when it comes to proper sleep, a balanced diet. And then the last one that we'll talk about out of those three that I mentioned is movement, not necessarily even exercise, so to speak, but literally just moving your body for about 45 minutes a day. Those three things, just proper sleep, balanced diet, and moving every day. I mean, if you're able to turn those three things into a routine and a habit, I honestly would tell most people you figured out half of the problem already, (laughs) but unfortunately most people struggle the most within that first 50%. They don't even get to the stage of personal growth where they actually get to ask themselves the more existential questions of like, you know, who am I? What do I value? Where am I going? Where do I want to go? Things like that. It's so hard to, get to that step of self self growth if you don't have a balanced lifestyle in the first place because so much of your attention is being soaked up by unhealthy habits and addictions this is so this is so i mean like for me you would tell me this let's say five years ago that w- i would be like yeah that's like too complicated <laughs> yeah but then like after you pass out like after you pass like through a lot of different episodes of eventual stress, chronic stress or burnout or overload of work, or you emphasize too much of the work hard, play hard lifestyle, which actually in Saigon can be easy to get because a lot of people are partying and, and Saigon is a very dynamic city. Actually, I, I wanted to jump in to ask the audience if there is any audience at the moment <laughs> who is uh, interested to uh, let us know like what type of healthy habits as well they have and if there there would be any other additions to the list that you just gave us because i think like your list is is very 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 good to get started on you know maintaining your health on a long-term basis and obviously there is some 
I'm sure there is some people who also, you know, have other things to add to this list. And obviously there is different methods and different, uh, different things. So uh, you guys feel free to uh, comment on this and maybe we'll uh, review and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check out the, the answers and, and maybe add it to the discussions later. About 14 people watching us. So we're waiting yes. for their, uh, their yeah. questions. Yeah, cool. Uh, welcome also to everybody. It's live. To bounce on... I was saying to bounce on what uh, Wes was saying about healthy habits. I wanted to say to the audience and to whoever is listening to us that there is always time to start. I, I feel like, you know, most of my 20s, I was like, everybody was telling me all the right advice and all those things. And I was like, first, not capable of hearing them. And I was like, oh, it's too late. Anyway, some 18 year old is already like winning this game. <laughs> and I was so competitive in my mind. And I was like, this is this is yeah. over anyway. I'm 25. I'm too old. Uh, fuck it. Like, you know, <laughs> and so I, I, I want to tell the, you know, the people that, you know, I started I started healthy habits really when I was like 33 years old. And it's it's still okay, you know, and my first healthy habit was really drink water. And I, I woke up every day, every morning and I drank water. And I sometimes I would wake up at 1130 because when you come out of addiction, you're just like groggy, 12 noon and just start with something very small and build on that and just keep, keep, yeah. keep doing it. It's the consistency. Yeah. yeah. I wanted uh, to say. No, you're actually, you got a huge, huge point there. I, I, I should incorporate that into my personal branding presentation because water is actually a big thing. Yeah. What's really <laughs> interesting actually about uh, water is that you can actually have anxiety that's induced by dehydration. Yes. Yeah. Which is which yeah. I had no idea about actually <clears throat> until just within the last like two months mm. when I looked into that. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like mm -hmm. anxiety from a lack of hydration. And so that made I I I am very good about drinking water. I, I, that was a, a habit that I was able to get nailed down a few years ago as well. But when I learned about the anxiety thing, <clears throat> it really made me realize how much more important it is even than we think. Because, you know, everybody says drink X amount of water, whatever it is. It's like two liters, I think, or more every day. And healthy habits. Oh, oh! Let's yes. talk. Speaking of water, someone's talking about swimming. Lamb. Susan yeah. said, "Exercise." My swimming pool. We've locked down. All the swimming pool are closed, and this is one thing I do as well. It's it's amazing. It's active meditation when you swim. Mm -hmm. It's active meditation. You are in water, so you, it's not violent for your body. It's type of movement that you know if you have back pain like me or. Uh, you're sitting in the office too much like it's stretching at the same time it's really good and dana is participating too so dana yeah. is uh, one yeah, of the, the hosts too so hi dana and she's actually very she's the she's the one pushing us here the team to be plant-based diet and so she's really adamant about this she's a nutrition coach and she's like plant-based is the way and then we're like okay well step by step <laughs> You know, and it's it's one of those things too. You know, you should go more plant based, and like you know, all the information is there for you to go more plant based. But it it's step by step. Really, be compassionate with yourself and 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 take the time. One of the things too that I wanted to add on healthy habits, and uh, that that you were mentioning too, Wes, when you said that, you know, you you cannot live without sleep and cannot live without uh, water. One of the other things too is breathing, and a lot of people like you know like actually oversee that, and we breathe very incorrectly throughout 
the day. And so breathing for me has been like one of the pillar of my self-care. So I do a lot of breath work. I do a lot of like, you know, mindfulness of breathing throughout the day. Yeah. Like, you know, just even here, just before the interview, you know, everybody just take a deep breath and sometimes just being aware of your breath is super essential. So yeah, totally. Thank you for bringing that up because I do forget yes. some things sometimes like water and then breath work. Yes, I totally yes. agree with you. Something that I use a specific technique is two. Yeah. Four, four, six. So mm. inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for six. And then there's also four, seven, eight. Inhale for four, hold for seven, exhale for eight. Your mileage may vary, but I find these two so far to be enough for me because it really helps with calming nerves and anxiety. So you said you just did it right before the podcast went live. <laughs> I didn't, but it is something that I do do normally before I go up on stage, for example, along with some NLP techniques as well that we might, if we want to talk about, we could talk about that later. But yeah, breath work is huge. Like you said, people are tend to not, it's, it's really a lack of breathing as well. They don't breathe enough. Uh, especially when we're focused on something on the screen, which is, you know, practically all day for a lot of people, you're not actually mindful or aware of your breathing at all. And in my own personal case, I find myself not breathing enough and I will just randomly like sigh or take really deep breaths and just like, as if I was not breathing for several minutes because I realized that I stopped. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes. oh shit. I stopped mm -hmm. breathing because I'm like so engrossed on whatever is going on on my phone mm -hmm. or my laptop. So yeah, breath work is a huge one. Four, four, six, four, seven, eight. That's where I would recommend people to start with. Yes, I. I, I want to add that. this. I want to add something to what you just said as well. Is is to implement a rhythm. So like like you, you talked about it when you talked about sleep and water, for example. Like take a, a, the same amount of. Um, sleep the same amount of time in, in every night and everything. And I think it's, it's one thing that for me, that was the, the, the missing part of the formula to keep myself, you know, out of anxiety and out of stress and all these things, because as soon as you, so you're like, I think everybody knows, you know, like somehow, oh yeah, I know I need to sleep. I know I need to eat healthy and everything. And, and then you're telling them, oh yeah, like you need to start small and you're like, yeah, okay. So I'm just going to start by, you know, exercising five minutes every morning when I wake up. And so you start, you do this once, twice, and then maybe you give up because you're like, yeah, it's not working or it's not helping or anything. But then when you add this missing part of the formula, which is rhythm and, you know, doing it every day and start seeing results, you know, after two or three months, then you're like, okay, so that's changing your view on implementing those healthy habits. And I think it's, it's also helping a lot of people to, to move forward with, you know, like you start, let's say, doing this for five minutes, like meditation or breathing, like you take, you take three deep breaths every time you're going to, you know, change to, to a new task. For example, you do this, you get used to do that. And then in the end, like maybe in three months, you're going to be, you know, meditating 15 minutes a day. And then in six months, you're going to be taking walks and doing active meditation in the park, like one hour a day or something like that. Like, I mean, it's, it's the, the implementation of those small things on a daily basis that push you uh, forward. 
Wow, we have a conversation between uh, Lam and Dean. So you guys yes. keep moving in the comments. It's uh, <laughs> it's gonna. Great. We can jump in uh, later. Yes, just a, just a question for you, Wes, because you seem to have a, a very well designed self care routine in your life on a daily basis. How long? What was the time frame for you to develop out of this? And are you still experimenting on a daily basis about like you know how to improve it? Yeah, it's funny. I'll talk about the experimenting first. I actually just did that this morning, actually, with my girlfriend Susan, and so we were working on establishing a a new joint morning routine to help motivate each other and get out of bed each day and feeling fresh and ready to take on the day. And so the most recent, our final, at, at least as of today, uh, routine is, Susan, do you want to remind me? <laughs> She's right here. <laughs> yeah, let me see the journal. Let's see here what we decided on. So nice. Yeah, it's pretty funny, huh? So the very first thing we're actually going to do is make breakfast. That's because research suggests that you should eat uh, within 30 minutes of waking up. I wake up pretty early. Susan does not yet. But we have realized that eating first is the easiest way to then ease into what would be uh, yoga. So about probably anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes of yoga. Yeah. And then after that, 15 minutes of meditation. And so basically at the end of that, if that's about an hour and a half upwards to two hours of our morning. And then also after that, so we got breakfast, meditation, med breakfast, yoga, meditation, and then exercise. So basically the way that our thinking around this routine was that we will eat first. So we eat within that 30 minute time window. And then we can do our yoga and our meditation because those are things that require a bit more of a uh, peaceful, tranquil atmosphere. And then we could go from there into our workout where we get the energy, excess energy out of our bodies and you know the hardest part of your day out mm -hmm. of the way. And personally, I find myself very, very alert and refreshed anytime after I work out. And this is a feeling kind of like that runner's high that allows me, I carry that feeling into the rest of my day. So I personally love to work out before I actually start any work for the day, rather because I always find myself having no energy by the end of the day. So much of my energy is consumed by just working and thinking that I don't want to do anything <laughs> by the time the sun's setting. So yeah, that's, that's where we're at right now with our miracle morning, I would like to take that term from one of my friends, Loan. but that's our miracle morning routine. And we're going to see how that goes. When? What time do you start and what time do you end? So we will be working, waking up at 6.30. And so we, we would wake up at 6.30 and then breakfast is made within those first 30 minutes. And by seven, we are then going into the yoga. And just to finish on this, because in the, I usually talk about combining old age, oh, sorry, age old philosophy, philosophy, yeah, and philosophy, sorry, and modern day personal branding and techniques and exercises. What do, what do you mean by that? And can you define it? Like, can you help us at least understand a little more, like what type of age old philosophy and modern day personal branding techniques? Yep. I'll get into the philosophy just in a second, because I see a question from Lam. 
about how long should you practice breathing? Yeah, I mean, even ju just five minutes really is enough. The way I see it is I like, so really quick, I'm going to go into an aside about Pomodoros. Pomodoros mm. are where, you know, you work for 25 minutes and then you take a five minute break and then you do that four times and then you take a 15 minute break. I like to sync my Pomodoros. So where I, once I'm done with a 25 minute sprint of work, that is the perfect opportunity to get up, walk around and practice some breath work. So literally, uh, just like you said, five minutes. Yes, that is enough as long as you know are you know you're doing it each day even if it's just five minutes a day I, you're already better off than everyone else that's not doing it and you'll see the benefits because the way these uh positive habits and routines work is that they work very similar to compound interest so the more positive mm -hmm. habits that you stack in the better and better you will feel and become and i see one more question from yeah go ahead there's, yeah. A, there's, there's so many questions i see multiple questions now okay i will I, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to the, I'll get to the age old philosophy after we're done answering okay. these. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, we did answer why I flew back to HCMC. So I'll just touch on that super briefly. I flew back for personal health reasons because I realized that I am extremely sensitive and the environment that I was in, unfortunately being in a huge city and in a foreign country was not suitable for someone that is as sensitive as I. That's pretty much it regarding that. And do I already have established morning habits before being in a relationship? And was it hard to merge with a new person? <laughs> That's a good yes. question. Great question. Hi, Susan is sitting right <laughs> behind the camera. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is. It is very hard, honestly, uh, especially when you have someone who has, because Su Susan and I specifically have very, very different daily routines. I have always when i'm not when i wasn't in a depression slump i have always been an early right i even when i was young even when i was a kid i was waking up at 6 a.m by myself and then i would go out and watch like pokemon cartoons on the tv but susan is more of a night owl especially because of her prior work within the f b industry it was a necessity and so that is something that's really hard to bring out of people and exactly uh, like <laughs> yeah yeah. And that's why it's, I really was just talking with her today about it because sleep is actually one of the biggest things that we uh, mm -hmm. struggle with, but I think we've made a breakthrough today <laughs> because we did a lot of planning on our morning routine. Mm -hmm. And so I've been helping her realize like, like we already spoke before, we can't survive without sleep uh, and we can't survive without water. So those two things should come first, probably before everything else, when it comes to your routines and your habits, just properly sleeping and properly hydrating and then proper nutrition. That is so much of the equation. We're so happy to, we are, we are happy to have questions. Another, a third and last question. <laughs> I love, I love the questions. Honestly, please keep them coming because I yeah. am having an engaged audience versus speaking into a void. So let's see. How do you handle your personal relationship as an entrepreneur as a pressure and workload doesn't usually help to meet the expectations of your partner? That is a very good point. Oh, let's see. <laughs> That's a big one. How do I balance it while being an entrepreneur? It requires, honestly, a lot of that is not even in your control. It does require a certain 
type of person who is comfortable with change and chaos. Because as an entrepreneur, you are dealing with change and chaos far more than the average employee and you are dealing with far less structure and so and i i'm not judging anyone uh, or thinking my thinking entrepreneurs are better than employees there are certain types of personalities that are better suited for that it is really if if there's a reason why not everyone is an entrepreneur it's not it's not for everybody and it is I would never in a million years say it's easy either. It is very hard because you feel very alone. And so I think in regards to balancing a relationship with that is realizing that your partner is, should be (laughs) always on your, but also acknowledging the fact that they are in your life and that your business, while it is, you know, something that you identify with and it's something that's a very large part of your life but your partner is as well and it's important to honor that and respect that and give it the attention that it needs and the energy so that you don't use it all on the business and i i have suffered from this (laughs) you can ask susan (laughs) i have a problem with like like we said the codependency and this this addictive personality and so that is also me that also means i am very prone to becoming a workaholic sometimes Mm -hmm. and i will completely lose myself in my work and only come out for air so to speak when it's time to eat (laughs) essentially And that it, that many days that that would be the limit of our interactions. But thank God she is very understanding of that because she is also involved in my business and has in varying ways throughout uh, our relationship. So she understands firsthand how much is on my plate as a business owner. And I think that that understanding and communication above all else is so important so that everyone's needs are being met. Because at the end of the day, honestly, if you're, it requires this choice a lot of the times. If your business has become all encompassing or your relationship has become all encompassing, neither of those things are good. And a lot of the times, as an entrepreneur and someone who's codependent, you feel like you're alone and like you have to do everything. And that is not a good strategy because your partner in life is there to help you with that, to ease the burden. And a lot of the times, honestly, that will be by pointing out when you're not aware of the fact that you are overworking yourself. Uh, Pulling 12 hour days for weeks on end, that is not healthy. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether or not, if you're a doctor saving lives, even it's, you can't, it's not sustainable. And I find that having a partner who is aware of my needs because I communicate my needs and then helping me be aware of them. Because like I said, like I could get sucked into the workaholism. Susan is there to help check me before I wreck myself basically by burning myself out. Do you think that it's better to remain single or in a relationship as an entrepreneur? I, I'm going to not answer that question directly because I'm going to answer it in a different way. Uh, I don't think one is better than the other. I think what is most important uh, 
is the support network. So that does not necessarily have to take the form of a romantic partner or a life partner. That can take the form of family and friends, even in therapists. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a partner in your life to have a support network. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, that's how I would answer that question. I'm not going to say that being single is better or being in a relationship is better. Personally, I love having being in a relationship as an entrepreneur because <laughs> Susan's looking at me. I hope I'm saying the right words. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I personally do find myself to be better off when I'm in a relationship as an entrepreneur, because as someone who's a solopreneur and a solo founder, it is very hard sometimes because it feels like I have to do everything. And then I also feel very alone at the same time, but it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy and having someone who is able, like who is there and watching me at times when I am not watching myself, I find that to be very uh, beneficial because she helps me become aware of problems when I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I think this is great. Feel free I think, to I think... ignore this. <laughs> <laughs> the question on top was like <laughs> is an interesting one <laughs> don't be afraid to be honest i'm never afraid to be honest <laughs> <laughs> did you plan something else if she's not the fit for the business anymore actually yeah I'll, I'll talk a lot about that because that's something that we've been working with actually susan's role within my business has evolved and changed a lot just within the since october when she became involved with it. And it was actually, it, 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 you pointed out a really good thing, Lamb, that I did realize that she, I knew going into it that she wasn't necessarily fit or best for what I needed her for. But I had honestly nobody else at that point and let alone nobody else that I saw as resourceful as Susan, because she is very resourceful and very flexible and is able to do a lot of things, which was what I needed because I was all on my own. And there were a lot of things going on and changes happening at the same time and a lot of new work coming in that I needed help with. And, but over time, I then realized this, it was never something that she wanted to do. It's not even something that I necessarily want to do anymore either with the digital marketing. And I kind of basically gently pushed her back out <laughs> of the business so that I can focus on it and so that she can focus on what is important to her and what she values, and which is actually going to be her own coaching journey, funny enough. And will she be with me for the rest of my life? I sure hope so. <laughs> that is the plan. Do you plan to, you plan to propose to Susan now that you're back and ready to settle down? Yes, we've actually talked about this already. She's right here. It's not a surprise. Yes, I do plan on proposing. Not the right time, and maybe she'll have to wait. Maybe you'll have to wait another five to ten years. Can you do that? <laughs> no, we're not. We're not going to wait too much longer. That is in the cards. Yeah. So. It's, this is yeah. quite interesting to see, to have all those questions about relationships as an entrepreneur, as, as anyone. And, with, and for me to, to hear all of this through your lens is like, you know, with beginning the, the interview as a codependent and like, you know, an addict and everything to be able to see that you're building those, this, this system of self-care with you and your partner, you know, to have this, this thriving relationship is, is quite interesting. I, I'm, I'm loving this, especially mm -hmm. designing your own morning routine is, is, is very important. 
And yeah, designing a joint morning routine is honestly pretty awesome. Yeah. And then we can go about the rest of our day and then reconvene basically for lunch and then for the evening routine. And that's, you know, every day. And then you've got your weekends to do something that's, you know, a bit... Mm -hmm. Your unscheduled programming. Sorry. One of the things that I wanted to softly plug into is because uh, you were saying, Dana was mentioning about cycle syncing. And Dana is one of the hosts for creators in Saigon. And what she's teaching about cycle syncing is like the, uh, the natural cycle for a woman. So their period cycle and how we can synchronize through it uh, to that. And for me, it's, it's one of the things that I've applied to in my relationship where what I'm, I'm a, you know, we have our daily routines to, to design with me and my girlfriend, but I'm also actually trying like, you know, to experiment on her energy levels throughout the month. And Dana has really helped me uh, looking at like, you know, if there is one natural cycle that we have to follow throughout the months, it should be if we're in a relationship with a woman the woman's cycle in our, you know, before I was such against it, I was like, oh, well, you know, it's happening every month. Just take care of yourself. <laughs> when now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fighting this anymore. I'm like, okay, well, we have routines put in place and systems put in place to, to deal with this when it happens and it's natural. So I just wanted to uh, mention that for, for her. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that's what she was mentioning. I thought she was talking about how women uh, can also sync their cycles. But I am definitely going to look more into this because I would love to be able to offer more support when needed when yes. people when when my girlfriend is on her period. But yeah, <laughs> such a <laughs> such a random topic. But that is something that's very interesting. But I mean, the key the key thing at the end of the day with the relationship and entrepreneurship is balance honestly yes. balance uh, balance is really if you want my opinion the key to everything basically uh, it's mm -hmm. the key to health is is living that balanced lifestyle and yeah there we go do it do it do, was there something else you want to say nicholas because i can get into the the ancient philosophy now if we yeah, want to so i think that's you... actually a good yeah sorry go ahead go ahead no 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 so yeah, no, I, I just wanted to like talk about because like the, what brought us to this is uh, one of the questions about relationship and including your partner in your entrepreneur system. And you talked about like support system and everything. And Jesse mentioned about what Dana said about the, the, the cycle thinking and including it into your uh, routines with as a couple and everything. And I think it, those are like really interesting uh, topics. And you guys like the those are two ways that you guys mentioned about and, and it's very interesting. And, and in the end, like what matters is to have a partner that you integrate in your system as the entrepreneur. So like she's not only, you know, following the workflow that you put for yourself, but she's also here to help you balance it. And you said it in the end. So I just had nothing to actually add because you said it. Like, <laughs> I think that the real key is the balance. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's honestly like kind of like a counterbalance. You can think of it like that, like a scale, like a Libra, but uh, your partner can serve as that counterbalance when you are out of balance. And so I find having a partner there is very grounding and centering and brings that balance into my life. As long as I am not being codependent. Yes. <laughs> Yes. But speaking of just be <laughs> Susan's in here, be gentle with her in the morning. Yeah. Balance. So balance was the last key point that I left off of. And so balance is something that is part of Taoism. So, or Taoism, 
And so Taoism is a ancient, ancient, ancient Chinese philosophy. And the key to it is balance, essentially. Balance in all things and letting things take their course. What was that? Acceptance. Yeah, yeah. And living, living like in line, in alignment with your true nature is a huge part of that as well. And then just, it's kind of like going with the flow. And in times, you know, with everything in the world, the way it is, and more attention being given to the uncertainty of the world, because I mean, in reality, in all honesty and in all reality, the world has always <laughs> been changing and chaotic and uncertain. None of that, even with the pandemic, I know that the pandemic comes with a lot of very unique challenges and very big ones, but we will survive at the end of the day. We've survived as a human race a lot, including pandemics in the past. But balance has been one of the most important things because when you're shut inside, like you guys are right now in Vietnam for what has been like, what, six weeks now? Yeah. Too long, too damn long, too damn long, honestly. That is being stuck inside because I mean, at the end of the day, we are animals, right? And we do not like being in cages whatsoever because it's not natural. We're meant to be moving and roaming and free. And that is when balance becomes even more important because when something like that is forcing you to stay inside, you will go insane basically if you don't have your positive habits and routines to fall back on. Because I mean, there is only so much TV, movies and video games that you can watch and play mm -hmm. until you, all, you end up getting bored still. <laughs> and a lot of that is avoiding the anxiety and depression that definitely comes with being stuck inside. And, and unfortunately, it's all too easy for people to fall into really bad habits when they're stuck inside because it's an instant gratification and instant comfort, like switch, like a snap of a finger, flip of a switch, you're getting that, you know, that hit of dopamine that you're missing from being outside. And it, that's why I talk about sleep nutrition and water, as 2C said, and also breath work and then movement. If you keep those things going while you are in lockdown and then add a healthy dose of social interaction, aka <laughs> a lot of Zoom parties and <laughs> Zoom happy hours, unfortunately. Yes. But I mean, I, I know that there's like the thing that people talk about, like Zoom fatigue and whatnot. And I totally get that because you're doing it all throughout the day already with work. And then it's the last thing that you want to do with your friends. But unfortunately, a lot of the time, that's our only option when we're in lockdown. Being in Saigon, we were very fortunate to avoid the largest amount of that over the course of 2020, which I am super grateful for. I'm so glad that the government and the people of Vietnam stepped up in that way, but things obviously have changed and that's okay. But this is when it comes down to the individual and the balance that you need from that. And so uh, Taoism is what I would recommend people to look into. Uh, if they feel like their life is out of balance, reading from the Tao Te Ching, which is uh, pretty, if you want it, it's an apples and oranges to comparison, but let's call it the Bible 
<laughs> of Taoism, because that's something that a lot of people will understand. That is like the the book, basically, yeah. to understand Taoism and a way to live in line with your true nature and nature as a greater whole as well. I would recommend people to look into that. Another one that I would recommend, another ancient philosophy is Stoicism. So in particular, I would say to read from, honestly, you don't, I would just look up Stoic quotes mm -hmm. a lot of the time because they help me remind myself to kind of just maintain the steady, steady going, easy going. And then another thing with Stoicism that really helps in times like these is I use it a lot to process worst case scenarios and in order in order to allay or remedy my own anxiety so for example uh fear of losing my job okay yeah. I, I, stoicism prescribes thinking through the worst case scenario of that mm -hmm. so if i lost everything basically today what would tomorrow look like mm -hmm. in reality it's pretty much the same. <laughs> the only thing that's changed is that you are now searching for a job. But a lot of people will internal, internalize these worries and fears and anxieties. And because they don't actually think through the next steps of what if, what if this happens. And at the same time, you shouldn't be thinking about what ifs all day long, because that's just anxiety. But a way that has helped me process it and kind of close the door on a lot of my anxieties is stoicism and thinking of worst case scenarios and reminding myself of them that I'm not going to die <laughs> if I yeah. lose my work. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm going to survive. And I think an important part of that is separating your identity as well so that you're not too attached to what you do because not what you do should... <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading more of the chat. Um, but yeah, so Tao Taoism and Stoicism, yeah. I would say are the two biggest things that help me maintain balance and a healthy lifestyle. So reading things from philosophers and Stoic philosophers really helps calm. It, it's, it's very calming, I find. It, and it's very interesting as well because you're reading words from somebody from a very, very, very long time ago. Yeah. And the funny thing is that despite how different, how different life was back then, people have been struggling with the same problems since the dawn of humanity, basically. <laughs> it has not changed, despite how much we like to think of ourselves as so much so high-tech, so advanced, mm -hmm. and so much better in a lot of ways than our counterparts throughout history. I honestly would debate that because I think the more things change, the more they stay the same, ironically. And reading ancient philosophy really affirms that belief that humans have been struggling with the same problems, yeah. no matter what is going on <laughs> in the world. I like that. What? I just want to bounce on like, I mean, like on what you, you're saying is also because you, you do a lot of online marketing as well. And I think one of the things that works the best somehow when and, and you, we, were, we were talking about entrepreneurship as well is, you know, we talk about solving problems and 
And usually when you define problems, there are the, 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 the problems on the surface, you know, that, you know, people have when they are searching for products or they are searching for things. And then there is the, like the, the below the surface problems. And those are usually related to, you know, our body, you know, what we are as human beings and what type of needs do we have? What type of fears do, how do we react and, and all these things? And, uh, and this thing hasn't fundamentally changed since these books were published until now. So I think it's, it's one of the reasons why. And, and this question is, is, is related to that as well. Like, and I'm happy you, you mentioned that. It's because I think in the end, the problems that people had before are exactly similar. If we take the, the psychology and the, the philosophy behind, they were afraid to die the same way we are afraid to die and, and all these things. It's just that now we have smartphones, smartphones in our hands and, and we have highways and, and, and all these things that actually doesn't change much about, you know, the way we will connect and react in, in under the surface. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Should, Human uh, nature has not changed. Yeah. I think we should, uh, we should start wrapping up guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was checking the time too. <laughs> <laughs> it's late, answer, it's late for I'll less. So. our final question. That's okay. <laughs> I love talking about stuff like this. Stuff yeah, like this energizes me. me too. Um, so, <laughs> I was not expecting anything uh, lower than this quality of conversation that we had today uh, with you, Wes, <laughs> to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, like um, listening to all of what you say and, and all the things that you, you are actually uh, doing and, and everything, what I wish is actually to, you know, be able to follow more about what you are doing. I don't know if you plan on opening a blog or a YouTube channel or, you know, anything related to that. I've seen you have a very good, Facebook profile and LinkedIn profile, but are you actually planning on, you know, separating Omega Digital to another brand and and publish more publish more about all of these advice that you gave us today as well? So, I mean, uh, for all intents and purposes, Omega Digital, uh, I want <laughs> Omega Digital will be no more, essentially soon, <laughs> as soon as honestly as soon as possible, and. Yes. So I will be kind of retooling and revamping my entire personal brand around my coaching and public speaking and things like this, talking about addiction and codependency, because those are things that I feel very, very strongly about. And that I know, as we you know, have discussed today, I have the tools and insight to help people with that because I've helped myself with it because I have done so much research into my own problems due to my lack <laughs> of therapy. I've only ever had a therapist once and it was when I was clinically depressed during university and they forced me to do it in order to return to the university. So that was the only time I ever had a therapist. But so I supplemented that with tons of research and introspection. And so to wrap that up, if you want to follow me yes, on my journey, <laughs> of coaching and helping other people get through their own problems of addiction and codependency, then you can just follow me at the West Jackson on Facebook or LinkedIn. I am actually like, like you asked, you're asking about content. I do plan on producing a lot of content. One of them will actually be a podcast with one of my best friends here in San Diego, who has also struggled a lot with addiction and codependency as well. And so be on the lookout for that. We don't yep, have yes. a name yet, but it is going to happen. And yeah, I mean, I, I would love to be able to write more content too. 
but we're going to start first with the podcast and then the next step is a book perfect so yes. not so much blog mm -hmm. content but yeah if you'd like to follow my journey it's at the west jackson incredible perfect. i think Make you're sure. incredible public speaker so i can't wait for you to <laughs> thank to you. you speak more i love it i love it great okay and uh last question we ask all our guests how would you describe saigon in three words dynamic would definitely be the first one hmm shit <laughs> not, that's not one of my words that's not, that's not one of my words <laughs> I'm, i'm struggling to think of more I, that was three three syllables dynamic but i would say on the flip side of that it could also be a bit hectic yeah. yes vibrant yeah dynamic hectic and vibrant all at the same time yeah. it is so full of energy yes and that's like one of the, that. my favorite things about it Okay, thank you. Thank you all so right. much Wes, for, for all this time and, and Tracy as well for backing me up oh, on this first live <laughs> interview we had with The Hive. If you guys want to keep following this series of live we're going to do with The Hive, just keep uh, liking The Hive in Saigon page and Creators in Saigon page. We're going to, of course, co-host all these events together. And of course, thanks Wes a lot in the comments thank and you. also make sure you follow him because his journey is obviously not only starting, but very interesting to uh, probably follow in the future. So thank you, Wes, and uh, thank you, Tosi. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you much, Thank you, everybody, Wes. today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Creators in Saigon. If you liked this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts and sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.